for joining us as we hear an anointed word from Treasure Coast Victory Center. All right, take your Bible this morning. Go to Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to walk you through this morning. I'm going to teach this morning. Say, I'm going to teach. Say, Pastor, please teach us. Do not go off on a tangent and preach us. Thank you. Praise God. I needed that this morning. I feel a lot better right now. Glory to God. Thank you very much. All right. Genesis chapter 1. Look at verse 1. In the beginning, God created the what? And the? So in the beginning, God created what? Created the heaven and created the earth. Now we know the heaven is basically a real place. It is a spiritual place. It is just as real as the earth. The only difference is the earth is visible and heaven is invisible to us. So God created the heaven and he also created what? All right, look at verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created him, male and female, he created him. So we see in creation, God made the heavens and he made the earth. And then he created this being called man, and he created the man basically in, how did he, how did he create him? In his image and in his likeness. Say in his image, in his likeness. Why did he create the man? To have dominion, here it says, and God created us, let's make man, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, the cattle, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon where? The earth. So now we know that man was created not to rule in heaven. He was created to rule where? On earth. So God basically is king of heaven. He's ruling in heaven, but he created this person called mankind, basically, to rule on the earth. So this is the beginning of creation. This is the beginning of God's purpose and God's plan. God's purpose or a purpose is basically the original intent why you do something or what it's for. So God created the heaven and the earth. He created the heaven where he would be ruler. He created the earth so man would be the ruler. And notice, why did he create man? He created man to have dominion. dominion. That's God's plan. Say, that's God's plan. Say, that's God's purpose. Right there in Genesis chapter 1. Now watch. Mankind fell. Thank you. It was in stereo even. When mankind fell, basically, this whole thing was messed up because man at that time lost the kingdom of God. And when he lost the kingdom of God, man also lost his authority. So man all at once who God created to rule on the earth could no longer rule on the earth because he did not have authority to rule on the earth because he was subjected to Satan. Are you following me? So in other words, God's original purpose, original plan, what was it? To extend heaven right into the earth realm. So the earth and heaven, you couldn't tell them apart if you looked at them. There's peace, there's joy, there's love, there's everything going good, but man messed it up. So God basically had a problem then. But his original purpose and plan was to create man and man to have dominion over all things on the earth. Do you agree with that? Okay, so what did he do? He sent his son by the name of Jesus, and Jesus came. Why did Jesus come? People say, well, Jesus came to wash us from our sins. True. Jesus came to make heaven available. True. Jesus came to save us from our sins. True. But notice, the real reason why God sent Jesus was to restore mankind back to his original position that we just read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Are you with me? Now, did Jesus do that? 
He did, didn't he? Now notice, if you claim and you're born again like many churches and many people do, that even though they're born again, that they're a sinner, that they're unworthy, that that can't do, they can't do anything, that they're no good, that they just can't do this or can't do that, and we're so unworthy and all this stuff, you are denying why Jesus came to begin with. Because he came to restore you back to the original place you were to begin with. Are you following me? So everybody in here, say, say me. me. Say this is talking about me. Say Genesis 1.26 said I was created to have dominion and authority to manage and rule on the earth. Do you agree with that? So if Jesus came and restored that, now notice, this verse don't say anything about you going to heaven in his original plan and purpose. It don't say anything here about religion. It simply talks about a mankind who he created in his image and likeness, basically, sons of God, basically to rule on the earth realm. When it was messed up, Jesus came and restored mankind back to his original position. So you have been restored back. Thank you for your overexcitement this morning. That you have been restored back to the original position right here in Genesis chapter 1. What am I here for? I am here basically to have authority, to manage, to run, to be in control here on the earth realm. God never wanted to come to earth to control earth. God is in control of everything. He don't want to be in control of everything. He's in control of heaven. He's got no control down here unless you give it to him. My God, this is going to be rough snowing this morning here. I should have brought a plow with me or something, praise God. He doesn't have authority. Look what he said. He said, let them. Say, let them. them. Now, who was the them he was talking about? It was us, wasn't it? He didn't say, let us. I mean, if he said, let us, then he could be involved and he could run the earth. He said, let them have dominion. When he said that, mankind now has dominion, created in the image and likeness of God, put here on the earth, what for? Put here to fulfill God's original purpose here on the earth, which was to dominate the earth. So if you've been born again, you have been restored to your original purpose. Now, success in life is not how much money you got. It's not whether you're a great basketball player. It's not whether you're a great football player. Success in this life is simply if you fulfill the purpose you were created for. Success with anything. Success with a dishwasher would be if you bought it and it actually washed the dishes. Now, if you got a dishwasher and it didn't work, I don't care if it was the nicest dishwasher you ever bought, if it had gold little tags on it, said Maytag, 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 if it was pretty, if it looked good, if it did not fulfill the purpose for what it was made for, it's worthless. You get a car. What's a car for? Transportation. You get one, you turn the key, it don't work. I don't care how much it cost. I don't care how beautiful it was. If it does not fulfill its purpose, then basically it is not a success. Are you following me? So what is my purpose? What is mankind's purpose? Well, first of all, we were created in the image and likeness of God. We were created basically almost on the same level of God. Why was that? To have a relationship with him, and not only relationship with him, but to have dominion, kingship, authority in this earthly realm to rule over circumstances, situations, things that are going on around us. We have the authority and the management to do those things because we've been restored back by Jesus Christ into that position. So how am I going to be successful? Well, how much dominion, how much management, how much things that I, that I was created to do, God's original purpose and plan, am I doing that equals success? Say equals success. Now, people have plans. If you look at Proverbs, it says in one, one thing, many are the plans in the heart of man, but God's purpose will prevail. That means that we have our own plans, don't we? We know what we're going to do, and we mark it down, and we chop it down, and we do all this thing. Notice, let me just help you. God's not interested in your plans. 
God won't help me with my plans. You know why? They're your plans. He doesn't want to help you with your plans. Unless your plans are helping you to do what you were created to do, then he wants to help you because from the very beginning, he wanted to have mankind rule and reign on this earth so it'd be placed just like heaven. Could you imagine? Everybody says, heaven's so wonderful. Well, earth's supposed to be the same thing. And it's available to us now because Jesus came and he brought the kingdom back to mankind, basically. So we can live in that. But you've got to understand, you're, you're not here to sing. You're not here to dance. All those things are fine. You are here to rule and reign on this earth, in your family, in your job, in your relationship, with dominion, to increase into the kingdom of God, the attributes, the characteristics of the kingdom of God into things around you. That's what you were basically created to do. I mean, how would you like to get to be a certain age and think you were successful and find out you didn't do one thing that had anything to do with the kingdom? of God. Well, I own six houses and four yachts and everybody loves me and everybody wants to hug me and everybody cares. Oh, I'm just well known. We got the biggest church in the whole world and we're great. And you find out you didn't do one thing in the kingdom of God. I tell you, the greatest failure you can have in life is to be successful in the wrong thing. Why? Because you're doing something with all your might and with all your strength and you find out that everything you were doing was a complete waste of time when you get to the end of it. So I think it's very important for people, especially people in the church, basically to understand why they were here. I mean, purpose equals why. Why did God create the heaven and the earth? Well, he created the heaven and earth to set up two kingdoms. Why did he create man? He created man to have dominion where? On this earth. It's a why. Why am I here? I am here to exercise God's authority and God's dominion in this earth realm. What for? Basically to complete God's original plan and purpose. Now, I mean, since man messed up, God doesn't change. He doesn't say, well... Let's just tear that chapter one Genesis out of here. They messed that up. Let me try something different. You know, a man screwed up and don't have any dominion anymore and the devil's going to rule over. See, God don't do that. God don't change. God waits and changes people back in line with his. So any plan that I make in my life, I want to make that's basically not only my plan, but I'm looking to fulfill the extension of the kingdom with any plan that I make. And as long as I'm doing that, I'm in line with what I'm supposed to be doing. Are you following me? You can make a plan. Hey, I want to go to Jacksonville, Florida. That's where I want to go. And you can get in your car, and you can decide that basically you want to eat, eat someplace, and the only place you really want to eat is down in Stewart. Now, you've got a plan, but I'll tell you what, you're starting out on that plan, but you're headed in the wrong direction. Are you doing something? Yes. Are you going full force? Yes. But when you get there, the problem is you've just lost time and energy going in the wrong direction because you went in the wrong direction away from your plan. Are you following me? So when God gives us the plan and the purpose, we've got to stay on that plan and purpose. If you want God to bless your plans, make them in line with his purpose. See, if you don't, then just make up any plan you want to do. Well, I don't want to get married. I want to have a mansion. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do that. That's not in God's plan. Now, maybe you get in line with God, you might have a problem keeping mansions away from you. God going to bless you. Do you understand? He wants to bless people who are in line with the thing. So God has an original tent. God has a purpose. God has a plan. What is that plan? Number one, he created man in his image and in his likeness. So you're born again. Are you in his image and likeness? Are you really? Do you believe that? Are you a loser? Are you a sinner? Are you a failure? Are you weak? No, you're in the image and likeness of God. So to get that revelation helps. Then to understand that you actually have dominion. Say dominion. You have dominion. Many things that in our life that we're battling with and have trouble with all the time and can't get out of, it's because we're not using our dominion to get out of them. Instead, we're using our dominion to claim those things in our life. Then we want God to do something about them when he gave you the dominion. See, I, I was, I'm an introvert. They, they did the whole test on me. I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert. How you doing? A little better, but I'm an introvert. Are you going to preach? Are you kidding me? I'm introverted. 
Are you going to be able to help people? No, I'm so introverted. I can't do nothing but introvert. That's what I do. That's my goal. So I'm locked in. How am I going to use my dominion to deliver me from something that I think is me? So what do I have to do? I have to get in this book. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man be in Christ, he is a? Oh, thank God. Because I sure didn't like the old one. How many of you did? No. How many of you know your neighbors didn't either? How many know your friends definitely didn't like them either? Well, no. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. So at that time, what happened? He took me from where I was, put me all the way back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and all at once I was created once again in the image and likeness of God as a child of God. What for? To do what his purpose was to rule and reign here on the earth realm. The purpose today is the same as the purpose back in Genesis 1. It has never changed and never been adjusted. All right, go to Matthew chapter 4. All right, Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 17. And from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent or change your way of thinking for the kingdom of heaven is now at hand, near or here. So here's Jesus' first sermon. He came. What did he come to? He came to restore God's purpose back into the earth realm to help fulfill God's purpose. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why the kingdom? Because God never changes his purpose. What was going on here? Basically, it was saying, take two, act two, second time. Let's redo Genesis 126 and Jesus into the world, recreate man in the image and likeness of God and giving dominion. Let's start all over again the second time. So plans of men may change, plans of churches may change, but the purpose in the original tent is permanent. That is what God gave us to be formed into the image and likeness of himself, and he wants to fulfill his purpose. How I many you know his purpose will be fulfilled? Whether we do anything with it or not, it will be fulfilled, but it would sure be nice if we helped out in that area. Now, watch this. The church goes around every year, and they celebrate Christmas. They celebrate this. They celebrate that. But they celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that's the day we get our favorite dress and bonnet and all those things, and we come to church, and we celebrate that Jesus is alive. Well, Jesus is alive to most Christians means that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it opened the gates of heaven so now we could get born again, hallelujah, and go in and be saved. Once we die, we go to heaven. Glory to God. How many of you know that? But notice, that was not the total purpose for the resurrection. If that was a total purpose which is taught, then once you get saved, your life's pretty much over. Jesus raised from the dead, so I can go to heaven. Are you born again? Yeah, now what? Just going to hang on till I die. And then I'm going to heaven because Jesus opened the door for me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But if you understand that Jesus was raised from the dead to restore you back to your original place and purpose, then not only am I born again and going to heaven if I die for a period of time, but also I've been made back in the image and likeness of God, and now I have a purpose. If I got born again, I got, I got a purpose. If I get born again at 20, I got a purpose. I got born again at 80, I've got a purpose. What is that purpose? To have dominion in the earth realm, to rule and reign in my area, to do something while I'm here. See, we've taken the purpose out. The church has taken it out to just two things. Basically, find Jesus, get born again, and I'm done. I don't have to do anything else. And then we go ahead and live like we want to. People live in sin. They don't care. People run around, don't even think about Jesus. People don't even read the Bible. People don't know anything. Why? Because when I die, you're going to heaven. You're going to heaven? Yeah, I'm going to heaven. Don't know a thing about God. Don't know a thing about the Word of God. Don't know why they're here. Don't wonder why people are committing suicide. They don't know why they're here. And then they'll give you all kind of drugs, all kind of creams, 
all kind of pills to prolong a life that you're living that you don't even know what you're doing here to begin with, and now you're trying to prolong what you don't know what you're doing. Ever thought about that? I want to live a lot longer. Why? You don't even know why you're here now. You have no idea why you're here. Why are you here? Genesis chapter 1, the original thing, to have dominion in this earth realm, to have authority in this earth realm, to rule and reign. And this is the way the church is supposed to be acting. This is what church is all about. Church is if people need help, we've got it. Church means if somebody needs prayer, we've got it. We've got the power to back it up, praise God. You've got dominion in your life, and you're going to live in that dominion, stand in that dominion. The resurrection was more. It was a restoration of you back to Genesis chapter 1. So you've got a purpose, and you've got a plan now in your life. There's a purpose there. So what am I going to do? I'm going to find out how to fulfill that purpose, what God wants me to do in that situation. All right, just go up to Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse 17. Jesus says, Think not that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I've not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be what? Fulfilled. So here we know from this that when Jesus came, he didn't come to destroy or change the law. He didn't come to change what the prophet said. He didn't come not to bring a new idea, a new plan, a new other purpose to bring. He came to bring the same purpose and the same plan from the original Genesis that God wanted to bring. What was that? The kingdom of heaven here on the earth. He came to restore God's original kingdom here on the earth through mankind. All right, look at verse 18. Here it says, heaven and earth may pass away, but not one word of my purpose, my will, my original intent will change. God says, if I have to move the present heaven and move the present earth to fulfill my purpose, I'm going to do it. How many know he's serious? And how many know he's going to? So he says, even if I have to do, even if I have to move the present heaven and the earth to fulfill my original purpose, if I have to create a new heaven and a new earth to fulfill my original intent, I will do it. It will happen. And we know from the Bible, it will happen. Notice, he'll do it till all be fulfilled. Say, to all be fulfilled. So Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. He came to do what with the law? Fulfill it. Say, fulfill the law. So what happened? There's a law out there, the, the commandments and stuff, where people were trying to keep the law at that time. How many of you know nobody could? They tried their best, and they couldn't do it in their own power. So Jesus came to fulfill that law. How did he do that? He made righteousness restored to mankind, not through what mankind did, but through what he did. So he fulfilled the law of trying and struggling to be like God when you couldn't do it anyway, no matter how hard you tried. He came to fulfill the prophets. Most of the prophets were prophesying of Jesus restore mankind back. The kingdom of God is coming. Jesus is coming. Now the prophets didn't have to prophesy Jesus is coming. Why not? Because he was there. There's no sense prophesying him coming again when he's already there. So Jesus came to fulfill those things. Jesus is basically saying, I'm here. Righteousness has been made available to you again so you can be restored back to the kingdom of God in your original position, praise God. And the kingdom of God is once again back on hand here in the earth realm. All right, go to Mark chapter 9. All right, Mark chapter 9, starting verse 1. It says, And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste death until they have 
seen the kingdom of God come with power. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them into a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. And there appeared unto them Elias and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, man, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias. And he wist not what to say, for he was sore afraid. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And suddenly when they had looked round about, they saw no man anymore except Jesus only with them. All right, now notice here. Jesus goes up to the mountain. He's already said the kingdom of God is going to be coming very shortly. It's going to come in power. There's people who are actually here who's going to see the kingdom of God come. He comes there. He gets almost bright light on the inside of him that came out, symbolizing the kingdom of God coming forth. And he was talking to who? Moses and who? Moses and Elijah. He was talking to Moses and Elijah. Now, Moses represents what? The law. Elijah represents what? The prophets. So these were the two. These were the two law. This was the, the prophet here. So he goes up on the mount. They call it the Mount Transfiguration. I call it the Mount of Transference. Basically, Jesus was there. They came to him. They had a little conversation. What was that conversation? I believe their conversation was this. Moses, you did a super job. You brought the law, you brought the Ten Commandments, you brought the law for people, even though they couldn't do it. It kept them in check a little bit. I'm so thank you for what you did. You did a great job. Then he went for Elijah, and he said, Elijah, I thank you. You prophesied me coming, and I'm here, and the kingdom was going to come back, and, and the Savior was going to come, and I think you did a great job. Praise God, you both did a super job. But then the father broke in, and he said, this is my beloved. Now do what? Hear what? Hear what? Now, why would God say that? Because God was directing the early church of Peter, James, and John to take their eyes off of what mostly they've been taught onto what Jesus was just about to teach them. In other words, the law, there it goes. Uh, that, uh, prophet, I, prophets is gone. So what happens? Now there's something new. This is now not my beloved prophet, not my beloved man, not my beloved servant, not my beloved say. This is my beloved. Now I want you to hear. So we want to hear him. So as I studied and went and heard him, the only thing he ever talked about was the kingdom of God. You go through the four gospels, all he talked about, the kingdom of God is like, what can we like in the kingdom of God do? This is what the kingdom of God's like. How is the kingdom of God It is like this? This is what the kingdom of God, you check out, he's got a one track mind. I'm telling you, he just kept going over and over and over. If you don't like to hear the same things over and over and over, then you can't listen to Jesus. Because what was he doing? He was beating it in. He was showing people how to live in the kingdom, how to have the character of the kingdom, what the kingdom's like, what the kingdom's not like. It was a spiritual kingdom. So notice, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. Moses did not bring the kingdom. Elijah did not bring the kingdom. Jesus brought the kingdom, and not only the kingdom, but the revelation of what the kingdom is all about, and that's what we have in the four gospels. So Jesus taught about what? The kingdom of God, didn't he? Why would he teach about the kingdom of God? So we could learn about the kingdom of God and fulfill our purpose that we have of reinstating the kingdom of God back into the earth realm so we feel purpose fulfilled. When you start getting into the kingdom of God and understanding it, and you start to make it your main thing, not seek ye 12th, not seek ye 15th, not seek thee when I got time, but seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you're going to find out that there's a joy from doing what God actually created you to do. 
I mean, you know, when things work, it's great. When they push the dishwasher and that baby goes, and you're done and them dishes come out clean, you're one happy camper, praise God. If you push the button and it does nothing and it's not doing what it's supposed to do, how many know there's not a whole lot of joy there, praise God. You get in your car and you turn the key and it don't fire up, how many, oh, jeez, now. Is that what we do? Sometimes it fires, sometimes it, but there's no joy in that, do you see? But when we start fulfilling what we were actually put here to do, there's a joy that comes up on the inside. There's a thing when God's kingdom becomes more important than anything in your life, you'll be able to shrug off people who come against you for any reason at all because you're not the center of the universe. He's the center of the universe. The kingdom's the center of the universe. You know what they said about me? Who cares? No, I ain't going to quit. I ain't going to stop, take my collar off, and never preach again, praise God. No, I'm going to go forward in the things. Why? Because the devil don't want you fulfilling the purpose. I mean, that's why he came to Adam to begin with, was to take their dominion and take their authority from them. So notice, Jesus came and he preached the kingdom of God. Say the kingdom of God. All right, go to Luke chapter 16. All right, look at chapter 16. Look at verse 16. This goes right along with what we just read. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presses into. Now notice what it said here. What was preached until John? And the prophets. Was preached until when? How long was the law and the prophets preached? until John. But since that time, what's preached? The kingdom, the kingdom of God. Do you see that? What's, what's supposed to be being preached now? The kingdom of God is supposed to be preached now. The righteousness of God, the righteousness that comes from the kingdom of God, the power that comes from the kingdom of God. What do you need to do when you find out? You need to repent, change your way that you were thinking. You need to hear him, the son of God, and change the way that we think. I tell you, I, went to, I took Bible class. I got an associate's degree. I got another degree, and I went through zero classes on the kingdom of God. I knew not to chew gum as I preach. I knew I could stand behind the pulpit and shouldn't move around because it makes people nervous. I learned I shouldn't spit on people. I learned that, but I never learned anything about the kingdom of God, what I was supposed to be preaching to begin with when I got out of that place, praise God. But nobody ever told me that. Nobody ever had anything. Nobody ever did anything. I went to TV. I never saw the kingdom of God being preached anywhere. I saw be a good boy be preached, don't sin be preached, you're going to heaven be preached, make sure you're born again be preached, but I never saw anything about the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God basically entails every other teaching and preaching that's out there. Faith and healing and all these stuff come underneath one big umbrella, and that is the kingdom of God itself. So basically the kingdom of God is what needs to be taught. After John, what needs to be taught? The kingdom of God. Now, why is it so important that we get a revelation of the kingdom of God and we learn about the kingdom of God? Go to Matthew 24. There's so many people in the world and even pastors that I run into believe strongly in the kingdom of God. They just believe it's going to come when Jesus comes back. So that pretty much eliminates your, what am I doing here then? 
I mean, what, 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 what's God doing? Was he got nothing to do? So you just put me here in the middle of this mess with no power, no authority, and I'm just supposed to hold on until I die to go to heaven? That's all there is to it. But no, Jesus said, he said back there, there's men standing right here, right now, who are going to see the kingdom of God come with power. I always ask them if they know anybody who's over 2,000 years old. <laughs> and when they can't answer that question, then apparently the kingdom of God is already here. All right, Luke, or Matthew 24. Look at verse 3, and he sat upon the Mount of Olives. The disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, what shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom shall rise against kingdom, there shall be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. All these things are what? All these things are the beginning. Say the beginning. The beginning of sorrows. Now, we've all been in the church long enough and been born again enough where everybody thinks the world's coming to an end tomorrow, the next day. They've got dates. Y2K was coming. That was the end of the world. We should have been dead 19 years ago now because in the year 2000, everything was going to blow up. Everybody's got these things. So the disciples just came and said, just said, hey, what is the sign of the kingdom of God ending? What is the sign of Jesus coming? What is the sign of him coming in full force? What is going to be the sign? So Jesus basically, notice he didn't say none of your business. Look at verse 4. He said, and Jesus did what? Answered. He didn't say. He said, okay, I'll answer you. I'll answer you and tell you, basically, when the end is coming, when the sign is coming. Jesus said there's going to be a lot of people who come, say this is it, and it's not it. There's going to be wars. You know, there's been wars ever since I was a little kid right till now. There have been rumors of wars ever since I was a little kid till now. There's been famines. There's been pestilences. There's been earthquakes. There have been all these things. People say, oh, it's so bad right now. Just go back 30 years. It was the same way. They just didn't have the coverages of it. Basically, they do now. You know, if, if one, one piece of earth moves a little bit, you know about it now. Back then, you didn't even hear about it. So these things have been going on. They're the beginning of the end of times. They're the beginning has come. He said these things are the beginning. Say the beginning of the end. So what's the sign, Jesus? What the heck is the sign? All right, look at verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then, say then, yes. shall the end come. So notice here, Jesus says, this is, you want to know the end, end times? This is what's going to happen. When the gospel of the kingdom, this gospel, say this gospel. Yes. Notice he didn't say any gospel. He didn't say a gospel. He didn't say some gospel. He said, this gospel of the, is preached to all the world, then the end shall come. And that will be it. So we know when it's coming, don't we? It's coming when this gospel of the kingdom is preached to all the world. Then the end shall come. Is that right? Now, the problem is the ones responsible for preaching this gospel of the kingdom to the world is us. And we're just saved and going to heaven. Why should I preach anything? I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Don't matter to me. But if we don't fulfill our purpose, then Jesus, and it's obvious we haven't fulfilled it yet, because if we did, he'd have came. <laughs> Is that too deep? No. If we fulfilled our purpose now, it would be over with. It would be over. I'll tell you, I'll tell you another, another example of this. Noah. 
God told Noah to build an ark because there is a massive flood coming. And when that flood comes, you tell people it's coming and you build that ark. So Noah said, okay. So Noah's building the ark. Noah's building the ark. The Bible says as soon as Noah and the animals got in the ark, God shut the door and then the rain came. Okay, who was in charge of when the rain came? Noah. Because until Noah, if Noah would have took two more years to finish the ark, it wasn't going to be any rain. If he took three more hours, it wasn't going to be any rain. But when Noah finished his job, come on now. When Noah finished his job like the church finishes their job and closes that door, then the end shall come. It shall take place. So Noah was in charge of the time, but basically God was in charge of the rain. Jesus is in charge of coming back, but mankind is in charge of when he comes back by doing what they're doing. What are they supposed to do? Preach this gospel. Say this gospel. Notice, not any gospel, but this gospel of the kingdom. That's why there's going to be a resurrection of the kingdom preaching going on in the earth all over the place here. It's just started now, but it's going to get bigger. It's going to get bigger because until Jesus can't come back, until we preach the kingdom of God and get it out into every nation. Say nation. Nation basically here means ethnos. It's got a word that means every, every special group, every culture, every everything. Notice, every culture's got its own language. Every culture's got its own way of doing things. You go into the medical company, I mean, or the medicals and doctors, you talk to a doctor, and by the time he's done with you, you don't know a word he said. Ain't that right? He's giving you words that, why don't he just say hip? Why don't he just say bone in your arm? Not the internal February. You didn't even know you were hurt, for goodness sakes, by the time they got, they got their own lingo. They got their own epnus. They've got their own stuff that come in. Lawyers, have you ever been with a lawyer? Whether to, here as, uh, where as, uh, dear Lord, by the time you're done, you don't know what they're talking about. Why? They've got their own culture, their own way of doing things, their own way of talking. Same way in the kingdom of God. We are to spread a new way of thinking. We are to spread a new way of talking. We are to spread a new way of doing things through the kingdom of God so people understand the kingdom of God and they grow in the kingdom of God. And then what do we do? We teach other people. Go and make disciples, not just people saved and going to heaven disciples of the kingdom of God, people who know about the kingdom of God, who understand the kingdom of God, who are fulfilling their purpose in the kingdom of God. That's where all the joy comes from, basically, is you fulfilling your purpose and doing it so that it works out in the life. I mean, every time you accidentally ran into somebody and got tricked into getting them born again, didn't you feel good afterwards? Didn't you actually feel like you really did something? Or you laid hands on somebody and basically they got healed and you said, whoo, boy, that was fun. And the only thing that keeps us from it is the fear of the devil telling us it won't work. And the reason why we don't believe it will work because we don't understand that we've been restored back to our original dominion in this earth and our purpose and our plan. We put so much emphasis on faith and no emphasis on our position. See, if you've got a position of authority, don't really make a whole lot of difference how much faith you got because if you've got authority, you got. When, when I told my kids to go to bed at 9 o'clock, it didn't matter how much faith I had in them going to bed. I had authority. And when I say, goest thou to bedest, they understoodest what I saidest. Not because I had faith that they were going to obey me, but because of my position that I had in that situation as their father and as their dad. And when I spoke, they were going to obey. If not, there was going to be consequences. See, so why was it? Because I was put in a place of authority. Well, every born-again believer has been put back into that place of authority back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, where you've got dominion in your life. We've just been talked out of not using it. We don't understand why we're here. We don't understand anything about the kingdom of God. So basically, we're just living life, aren't we? We're just trying to make it through life. We just can't wait till we die and go to heaven. And I got news for you. If you think you're going to spend your whole life in heaven, you're not. 
because you're going to be back here on the new earth as soon as it's put back down here, and then you're going to be doing what you were supposed to be doing the whole time that you were here anyway. You're going to be ruling and reigning on this earth when they make the new earth. How many know that's going to be a lot better? Have you ever just laid down and thought sometime and you thought, oh, it would be such a utopia if everybody just loved and everybody just got along and everybody hugged each other and nobody talked about each other and everybody was good to each other. Oh, would that be a great place to live? That's what's coming. Are you following me? It's not a dream you had. It's God's dream also. God had that dream to begin with. When Adam messed it up, now we're in the restoration of that part of it for the kingdom of God. So notice, when will the end come? It'll come when this gospel, say this gospel. gospel. Notice, not a blood moon, not a war, not somebody prophesying it's coming tomorrow tomorrow or the next day, not Y2K or Y220K or whatever it is. It's basically when this gospel is preached to all the world. All right, go to John chapter 1. All right, John chapter 1, look at verse 12. It says, but as many as received him. Have you received him? Yes. Are you one of the as many? Yes. But as many as received him, to them gave he power or authority to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they were born of who? God. Notice, born of God. Here, notice, he's gave us the power, once you enter into the kingdom of God, the power to become not servants, not slaves, not weaklings, but to be sons of God. We sang the song this morning. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. What's our biggest problem in life? Acting like a child of God rather than a child of the devil or weakness or slave or whatever. You've got to come to a place where you understand that you are a son. What is a son? He's full of power. He's full of authority. He is born of God. And what did, what did Jesus do to help us with this? He gives us things called parables. Say parables. He gave the parable of the prodigal son. What was the prodigal son? Someone who left the kingdom of God, basically, went off, did his own thing, ended up in the pig pen, basically, got so low that he would rather eat even what the pigs were eating because he was stuck in the pig pen. And finally, he came to himself. Say, came to himself. That's, that's, a, good, that's a good term, isn't it? You come to yourself? wonder where you were. He must have been. Came to himself and basically said, hey, my father does better than this. So he goes back to his father, like most Christians. They finally hear the gospel and want to come back. And they go to God and they say, oh, I'm just a lazy, no good servant. I hurt you. I sinned against you in heaven. And I just want to be your servant. And I just want to. And what happened to Father God? Father God comes and said, wait a minute. I've got a ring and I've got a robe and I've got a cloak and I've got all this stuff. I'm going to take you back in. I want to put you in a position, praise God, where you were before. I'm going to take you back right where you were. Most Christians came out of the pig pen, but they still got the pig pen on them. Still on their thinking. I'm so poor. I'm so weak. I can't do anything. God does everything. Well, it's not going to work that way. You've got a position to do and you've got a calling to do on your life and you've got to fulfill that position that's in your life. And the sooner you do that and start acting, it'll work better. And how many know he had another son? But this son was, man, this son was, he was doing bingo for his dad. He was bringing meat at potlucks. He was cleaning the toilets. This guy was doing everything, and he wasn't getting nothing. So he said to his father, I'm doing all these things. Why am I getting them? And the father said, all these things belong to you. Basically, you just don't receive them. You want to keep trying to earn them, and you can't earn them. I mean, there's two sides of this Christian thinking. 
God ain't going to bless me because I didn't do that. He's not going to give me authority till I clean those toilets one more time. No, you have authority. And you'll do it more joyfully if you know you got authority while you're cleaning the toilets. See, it's two ways of thinking. So what does Jesus do? He comes and he preaches the kingdom of God. He gives us all these examples of how we should think, how should we do things, what we should do, how we should do them, how it should become, because we're sons of God. Say, we're sons of God. Say, I've been restored in the image and likeness of God. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 2. All right, Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 19. Now, therefore, when? Now. Now, therefore, you are no more a stranger. You're not a foreigner, but you are a fellow citizen with the saints, and you are a member of the household of who? Now, notice what's going on here. There's a transformation that he shows you where you were. You were a foreigner. You were a servant. You were a slave to sin. But all at once, you came into the kingdom of God. And when you did, you are now a citizen of a country. And being a citizen of that country, you have legal rights in that country. You have a legal right to live in health. You have a legal right to live in joy. You have a legal right to live in peace. These are not things you get. These are things you have, basically. And you have a legal right to do those things, praise God. So what are you? You're a citizen. You're a son, not a subject. I mean, you know, if there's a king here on the earth, basically, they have subjects. Sub basically means below. So basically, they're below the king, and the king is a king, and you're supposed to do everything you can. But there are no subjects in the kingdom of God. There are just sons in the kingdom of God. You are a son. And the best thing about the kingdom of God is everybody in the kingdom is a king. Not just a regular person. You are also a king, according to the Bible. In the earthly kingdom, I'll tell you what, you go to somebody who queen, uh, the queen's there, and she's sitting there, and you run up and jump on her throne, how many of you know you're not going to do very well? But the kingdom of God's different, is it? He has raised us up and seated us in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named. This is a good kingdom. Are you following me? We're not in Syria or someplace else now. We're, we're in the God's kingdom here. Notice, in other kingdoms, if the king gets attacked, his subjects fight, and half of them die, and they fight to save it. But in our kingdom, the king dies to save the people. Glory to God. Isn't that good? So when you think a kingdom, you've got to think of God's kingdom not a regular kingdom because, let's face it, kingdoms have not worked out very well here in the earth realm. And we think that way, don't we? We think that's the way it is. And, and down here, you, you can vote somebody out of office. You can't vote God out of office. He's in office forever, praise God. He's not gone anywhere. And another thing you can't do is get together in a group and change the laws into how you want them changed because God's already declared the laws and ain't nobody going to change those laws that God already declared. I don't care what the government says. I don't care what the local church says. I don't care what anybody else says. The laws have already been set in stone and they are set in stone and nobody's going to change those laws because we belong to a kingdom that's stable. Say stable. How many governments out there do you see stable right now? None. There's none out there because they're not the correct government. The correct government is the government of the kingdom of God. So here we are citizens of the kingdom of God. Say, I'm a citizen and a son of the kingdom of God. All right, go to Revelations chapter 1.
All right, Revelations chapter 1, look at verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests unto God his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I look at it again, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now, about every church, every Christian out there, anybody that's been born again, believes that. They believe, sort of, that God loves them, and they believe that they've been washed from their old sins. But not too many have gone into the kingdom then, which is the next verse, which says, and he has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So most people get saved. They think God loves them a little bit, unless something bad happens to them, then they blame it on God. And basically they're, they're living that way. They've been washed free of their sins. And I'll tell you what, Jesus didn't even really come to wash you from your sins. He came to save you. So every time we get washed, we go back out and get dirty because we can't help it. Then we get washed again. Then we get dirty. But he saved us. In other words, sin shall not have over you anymore. Are you following me? But we just want to say, well, we always got that washing there, so I'm going to go out and do something stupid, and I'm going to come back and get a washing. I mean, I lived there for a long time. Praise God. I went and confession every weekend, went out and lived like the devil six days, went right back confession, just hoping that I would die in between my confession and before I acted like the devil again. In that six-hour period, if that's when I died, that would have been perfect because I was clean at that time, see? Nobody ever told me that I could live free of sin and not make those stupid decisions and not do that stuff, but I had dominion over this stuff. So notice he's made you a king. Verse 5, and from Jesus, who is a faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the, of the, the kings. So he's the prince of the, so who are the kings? We are. We're the kings of the earth. So he's made you a king. He's given you the opportunity to rule and to reign here in the earth. Well, he's taken you back to your original position where you belong, back to where you're supposed to be. All right, one more. Go to Matthew 18. There almost has to be something in this day and age in your life that draws people to you when you preach the gospel. In other words, if, if you are depressed, you are down and out, you are beat up, you're, you don't have an ounce of any energy or anything else, and you're trying to share with somebody the kingdom of God, it's going to be very hard for them to look at you and say, yes, please, get me saved. I want to be exactly like you. That's why we've got to elevate into a place and understand that we can live far above this. So when they see you, they say, hey, I don't know why you're always at peace. I don't know what's the matter with you. Something's, you must belong to a cult because you've got joy all the time. Nobody's got joy in this world anymore. What's the matter? I mean, I just cussed at you, and all you did was smile at me. I can't understand why you didn't I was ready for a good cuss fight, and you didn't help me whatsoever in what you were doing. People are going to wonder what the heck's wrong with you. Do you understand? Because people don't act that way. But when you act in the kingdom way, like, just, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. I mean... That had to shock people right there who were standing by the cross, I would say. So all these things that are changing, basically, with our actions, we're even preaching the gospel when we're living in a kingdom way. All right, Matthew 18, look at verse 18. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Notice, whatever God binds, is that what it says? No, whatever who? 
whatever you bound. Why? Because he has made you a king and a priest here in the earth realm. He did not make you a slave. He did not make you a servant. He did not make you a Methodist. He did not make you a Catholic. He did not make you a Pentecostal. He made you a king. You are a king here in the earth realm. We've been taught basically we're just pawns. God's in control of everything. Well, if God wants it, it'll be done. If God don't want it, it won't be done. No, he's already told us why we were created in Genesis chapter 1, and now he's waiting for us to do it. We are supposed to rule over things. That is why when someone tries to rule over you, you get very upset because you were born a ruler, and now somebody coming along and trying to lord everything over you, and it just don't seem right to you. You are ready to fight, man, because that was born on the inside of you. That settles it. Do you ever do that in marital relationships? Well, that settles it. Let me tell you, it don't. This is the way it's going to be, and that settles it. Oh, no, that don't settle it. That may be what you said, but that's just the start of World War VI right there when you do that. Why? Because you are expressing authority and control over somebody without even their opinion, without anything else. Now, how many know that's misused authority? But we've got authority. We've got authority over things that try to come into our life and try to rule over us. Alcohol ruled over me for years. I knew it was wrong. I, I didn't know I had any authority over it, which I didn't because at that time, basically, I was a sinner. But as soon as I got born again into the kingdom of God and found out that I had authority over alcohol, alcohol days were over for me, praise God. Do you see? Sin days will be over for you. Vices that you have in your life will be over for you when you find out the authority that you've got in your life to take care of them. People say, well, I'm just a Christian with a drug habit. No, you're just a Christian. Basically, you don't know you're a king. And as long as you keep claiming that habit, let me tell you, you're reinforcing that habit and you are going to have that habit. But Jesus has already set you free and he's already delivered you. You were created a son of God, a citizen of God, a king of God. Your position is legal in the kingdom of God. A king will not tolerate the devil, will not put up with the devil, will not even agree with the devil. He will cast the devil out and destroy his works. He has to go. Not because you're a Christian, but because you're a king. Praise God. Hallelujah. You have a legal right to demand, command, bind, loose, heal, set free, live free. He has made us a king, a priest, and a son in the kingdom of God. Say, I am a king a priest in the kingdom of God. I have authority and dominion. I've been made into the image and likeness of my Father. Therefore, with my nature and my authority, I can fulfill the purpose that I was created. I choose to seek first the kingdom of God, to study, to read, to meditate, to ask the Holy Ghost to reveal to me the kingdom of God and his righteousness and that all things that I've been chasing, worried about, fearful about will be added unto me. I choose God's way first. All right. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. for listening. For more from Treasure Coast Victory Center, visit us at mytcbc.com.